I'm looking for analogies for what this is and what you were just saying almost made me think of like an anthill. It's sort of impenetrable from the outside, but there's all this like busy activity that anthill can get really big. Like they are doing something. Is that, am I on the right track at all? Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Um, and just e even thinking of us as ants, um, which is what I feel like in this cop, like we're all running around trying to figure out where we can be helpful, what we can do. But at the end of the day, we are contributing um, to something that's bigger than each of our individual inputs. So I think that's a helpful framing. That was Adele Thomas, director of the Climate Change Adaptation and Resilience Research Center at the University of the Bahamas. I was talking to her here at the UN Climate Conference in Glasgow, Scotland. I'm Amy Martin, and I'm here with my colleagues Nick and Erica, and I'll let you two introduce yourselves. I'm Nick Mott, and I'm one of those ants running around all over the place here. And I'm Erica Janik. I am the managing editor and the managing ant. Managing ant-editor. <laughs> so as you know, if you've been following us lately, the Threshold team is here at the Climate Conference basically trying to figure out what this anthill is and what happens here. And one of the things that everyone has to learn all together, 20, 30,000 people have to learn all together, is how to navigate this space. That's right. We're in uh, what's called the blue zone, which is the area that's controlled by the UN. Uh, but really, it's like a city unto itself of a bunch of conference rooms and interconnected tents. Uh, there's pavilions, which is kind of like a world's fair. Uh, countries are have displays about what they're doing for the climate. They're having presentations. There's plenary rooms with talks going on. There's something called the Action Hub, which is more talks and events, also the most comfortable seating. Uh, there's just a lot happening in a very big space. And one of those things was this huge event that kind of kicked things off where all the presidents and prime ministers that are here came in to give their big promises about what they were going to do for climate. Uh, that's called the World Leaders Summit. It was a huge media event, and it just ended on Tuesday. But uh, from everything that we were able to see, it's actually not the most important part of this conference. And so uh, I was able to track down Adele Thomas, who we heard from just a moment ago, and, and just kind of ask her what happens next. Now that the world leaders are gone, some of the delegates are able to not focus on accompanying their leaders and actually get into the negotiation rooms and start meeting. So for countries that have small delegations, um, like the Bahamas, our government people were accompanying our prime minister and minister of environment. So they weren't able to even participate in the negotiations until today. So for some countries, the negotiations are just now starting. So who is actually doing the negotiating? So this whole thing is called COP26. And the COP part of that stands for Conference of the Parties. That's the, the Conference of the Parties is making all these huge, like, world-changing decisions about climate change. The parties part of that are the people doing the negotiating. They're, each country sends its own team here to negotiate. Another thing I've noticed on people's badges is it'll say observer. What's an observer? Yeah, so if the, if the negotiators are sort of the worker ants, like, closest to the action inside the anthills, the observers are just kind of one step back. They're watching. They're on hand to consult, to answer questions, to maybe give technical information that negotiators might not have. But they're not supposed to directly influence the process of what happens in the negotiations. And then there are also um, media like us, of course. It's kind of like multiple conferences in one happening, honestly. 
And what are they actually negotiating about? How, how does this all fit into the bigger picture? Well, I think maybe the best 30,000 foot level of it is to say the Paris Agreement set the vision for what is supposed to, what the world has agreed to have happen for climate. What they're negotiating about at this conference is how that vision actually gets implemented. Um, and then what that means is looking at tons and tons of text and deciding together what little bits of text mean that get turned into policy in a way. But normally when we think about policy, we think about people voting on something. This is just something that we're all, everybody is going to agree or not agree. Like this is how we're going to implement all these different things. So it, it sounds like there's just so much happening at once, both officially and unofficially. So how do people stay in touch with each other? Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to know too. I asked Adele about that. So there's a lot of coordination that needs to go on between the different agenda items. And so you have to have communication between your negotiators to make sure that you're staying on the same page. And so you point to some of the challenges. So for small delegations, it's hard to be caught up on everything that's happening everywhere. Whereas people, countries with big delegations, you know, they have tons of people and they can have people even specifically dedicated to making sure that there's communication and seeing how the different pieces fit together. So how does a negotiation actually work? If you go into a negotiation room, imagine like this huge echoey space I don't think I was supposed to be there, but I got into one. Um, and there were dozens of people all along tables arranged as a rectangle all around the room, all with labels of their countries in front of them. And there were like TV screens so you could see the speaker. Everybody had a microphone. And it was this total like alphabet soup of jargon. As soon as I got in there, I like didn't know what was going on. Yeah, it's confusing. It's really confusing for media. It's confusing for everyone who's new and even... Yeah, it's, e- it's even confusing for the people that have been doing this a long time. I talked with Marie-Claire Graff, who's with a group called Youngo, who advocates to get youth voices heard here. And she's also a former negotiator for Switzerland, which is where she's from. Well, it's super overwhelming, I think. I, I, was at least for me. Very often we don't really understand the details and what is going on, and it's uh, it's very confusing as well. But when you start to understand what's going on, and if you actually can make sense of what is going on, and you have the different options at the table, and you can figure out yourself, okay, what, why do certain countries do this? It's getting super interesting, and I think it's it's like in a very exciting trailer movie or something like this. <laughs> I love that. I love the idea that in the midst of all of this jargon, that there is something happening that is that is like a thriller movie. <laughs> it seems like when you really get to know how all this fits together, then you really start to see how that drama unfolds. And Marie Claire said countries have actually made a lot of these decisions like months and months in advance. They know their platform. They know what they're advocating for. But when everybody gets together, those visions and platforms don't fully align. So things start to move and budge just one way and then the next, and that's when things sort of get upheaved or like moved around and where that drama starts to to really take shape. It's about the details. So you can like have like the most glorious whatever speech. Oh, we need to raise ambition and we need to find the finance and we need to, need to, need to. And even if countries are pledging, then it's about the details. How do they pledge the money? What is it exactly for? So the devil lies in the details. And that is what we are here to do, correct? That's right. We're going to be a bunch of ants running around. Looking for devils. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think we'll be able to find a few devils and hopefully some non-devils as well. <laughs> um, well, Nick and Erica, it's been fun talking to you and it's really fun to be here with you and the rest of the Threshold team um, following this. Um, we're really grateful to all the listeners who um, are following this on social media. We know that quite a few of you said you appreciated the first dispatch and we will try to send you these as we have time. Um, I also just want to put a quick reminder out there that we are in the middle of our annual fund drive. Um, so this is a really important time for us here at Threshold where we reach out to you and ask for your support so that we can keep doing this kind of on the ground, in-depth reporting. Um, if you are interested in contributing, you can just go to thresholdpodcast.org and uh, look for the donate button. Everything you donate between now and the end of the year will be matched up to $1,000. Um, so again, that's thresholdpodcast.org slash donate and follow us on all the socials. And uh, thank you so much. We'll be back with another dispatch as soon as we can.